0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at Um, audiodharma.org.
1: Welcome everyone, and some of you I know very well, and some of you are new. My name is Robert Cusick, and the teacher normally is Andrea Fella, and she's teaching a retreat. So she asked me if I would sit in for her. So here I am, and here you are. So this morning, um, I uh, want to talk about um, uh, the quality of, um, of, as human beings, we're not always the same we're not always the same. Have you ever noticed that? (laughs) It would be so nice if we could just count on things being a certain way but it doesn't seem to work out that way. So uh, there are different parts of us. We're always a mix of thoughts and emotions and moods and mind states and sometimes we're sad, sometimes we're happy, sometimes we're anxious, sometimes we're Aggressive, and at the same time we can be very gentle and filled with loving-kindness. Sometimes we're mean-spirited and hard-hearted, and at other times we're completely tender and open-hearted, and sometimes we're petty and vindictive, and at other times we're forgiving and generous. So that about covers it, doesn't it? It's, a, it's what it's like to be a human being. So we, we're really not uh, fixed and predictable static identities, we're not always the same. The bottom line is that we're human and we're all in this together and and that's part of what it's like to recognize our common humanity. So um, the energy in us, the life energy in us is never static. Sometimes we like something or someone and at other times we dislike them and then little time passes and we like them again and we're never happy all the time or sad all the time comfortable all the time or uncomfortable all the time so have I made my point? <laughs> okay this is just part of our shared common experience Part of what it's like to be, to recognize our common humanity, but underneath all of our views and all of our opinions and our reactions of like and dislike, is what we sometimes talk about as dynamic life energy. And we can all learn to um, recognize this energy as an aspect of our experience. So uh, one of the ways that you can do that, one of the ways that I do that in my life is that um you know i'll I'll simply become aware that um everything is going along quite well, and then suddenly there's a rush of energy that might turn into uh feeling of contention, or a feeling of concern, or a feeling of you know, um, something's not exactly right, or something. And I just notice that. I just notice the shifting energies that are occurring um, and ebbing and flowing within me. And rather than um, immediately defaulting to building a story or a narrative about the energy, I just let the energy flow. I just recognize that these movements are part of what it's like to be a human being. Sometimes it's it's sort of a telling me something, and at other times it's just like a sensation that arises and passes away. So <clears throat> it's important because it makes a difference in how we relate to this energy and and the impact that the way we relate to the energy affects our life experience. So we can meet it, we can recognize it, we can relax and accept it, and um, it's just an ever-changing unfolding process and it's part of our human nature. Or, or (laughs) we can default to Uncertainty. We can spin a narrative about every movement that we perceive. Um, Sometimes we get a sense that there's nothing to hold on to, and this creates a sense of fear or panic in us. This sets off a chain reaction in us. Have you ever noticed this happening to you? Have you ever noticed it happening to you? Yeah. So, uh, so. When this happens, we get hooked. There's deeply seated mental habits in us that take over. And before we know it, we're off to the races and we're thinking and we're speaking and we're reacting in predictable and habitual ways. So by paying attention to these movements within us, we can see how they sort of pushes and pull us in certain directions and how easy it is to default to old habits um, that may have uh, some meaning to us but might not actually be true. We might get a feeling and then That feeling triggers the memory, and that memory sets us off, and we're off to the races, and all that happened was that we had a feeling. We had this movement, this sensation that happens. Because energy is always in flux, it's always dynamic, it's always moving. And most of us don't have a lot of tolerance for this. We're constantly getting hooked by... Uh, our personal preferences and what we like and what we don't like and wanting things to be a certain way and whether they're not that way. Hmm. So <clears throat> sometimes when we slow down, we can see that the source of what's troubling us, of our unease, is like some kind of an unfulfilled longing for certainty in our life, for the certainty of things being a certain way. It's this way and it's not that way. But remember we started off and we said it's almost never black or white, this or that. It's always a combination of both and. It's always a mixture. We're always a mixture. So we're looking for this certainty for something solid to hold on to. So, I have a question for you. Have you ever found it? Have you ever found it? Probably not. So, we aren't taught or encouraged to experience this ebb and flow in our moods or our health or to weather <coughs> the events in our life in their fullness. We're never, it's always like we take certain parts of it. We never just allow it to to be what it is in a in a complete and full way so we get caught in patterns of avoidance and pain and we're we we're searching for a place where we can be comfortable where we can feel safe and we all do it it's common to all humanity so what do we do about this? When we pause and, and take a breath, <clears throat> take a moment to ourselves to reestablish a sense of um, inner balance from the, this kind of barrage of endless challenges that test and trigger us, we sometimes experience just a moment of relief you know, sometimes in the midst of being carried away we can't like stop it on a dime, but we can interrupt the momentum of the flow long enough to have a moment of relief. So I was teaching a, a program to a group of physicians the other night and um, one of the doctors had just come from an emergency. It was in an, emer- an emergency room, they brought a patient in, the, the man was really really sick his family was there they were all around him there's a big team of doctors and and the guy goes unconscious so they had to intubate him because he couldn't breathe and he, the family was freaking out the all the doc can you get the energy up and he said yeah so uh, what does it help to know that this is a moment of empathic distress, <laughs> you see, this is a moment of empathic distress, how, how does this help me in this situation? Now, that's a pretty legitimate question. And, and it was interesting, because, because the honest answer is that there's no quick fix in the moment of being carried away, you're just carried away and to recognize that you're carried away and to be able to name it puts a little distance between you and the experience of being carried away but learning to recognize that builds builds, um, a momentum that over time helps you recognize the state that you're in and maintain balance. So the real answer is that one cultivates these things over time and over time they take root and transform the way that you are. So now let's replay this scenario. The physician knows what's happening, you see, and the physician somehow is able to maintain some sense of of confidence and stability and everyone is freaking out around them but that one person being able to maintain this quality of mindfulness and presence brings confidence to the other people. You all know who Thich Han is? Probably everybody knows who Thich Han is. He made a, a similar statement about the boat people who were Leaving, fleeing from Vietnam, and being the boats were capsizing in the sea, and pirates were, you know, boarding the boats and raping the women, and killing the men, and throwing the babies overboard, and etc. etc. And everyone was in a panic. He said, "But if one person, if a single person in in one of those boats, was able to maintain any sense of mindfulness." There was a possibility for the entire boat to be saved. So being swept away in the moment is just a very human thing. And when we're swept away, we're just lost, we're hooked, we're swept away. And then when we come back and ask the question, yes, yes, but what does this mindfulness help? You see, in this moment we we want a quick fix. We want an answer like that. It's completely normal. We don't want to be swept away. But the real answer is that you build the capacity to be with experience by trial and error and a willingness to show up and experience what you're experiencing fully rather than rejecting um, the experience because it's overwhelming and unpleasant. So So in a moment of stillness, in a moment of seeing, our mood can be agitated or calm. You see? We, when we know what's happening, oh, this is agitation, oh, this is calmness. You see, we begin to learn what those experiences are like. So when we're given instructions on cultivating mindfulness, we're often told to, to name whatever is occurring, to just name it and thinking, thinking, (laughs) I'm thinking, I'm I'm feeling, you you know, liking, disliking, etc. When we name what's happening, it's not so likely and so easy for us to be swept away and hooked by whatever is occurring, especially if it's charged. So... In that moment of seeing, that is a moment of freedom. That is a moment of not being hooked. And sometimes that's, you get these moments. They come, they go, they come, they go, they come, they go. But over time you begin to recognize, oh, this moment of seeing, just seeing, just naming, gives space. This space gives freedom. This freedom is not being hooked. This is what it feels like. Okay? And then another moment comes up. And if you can do that again, oh, here it is again. This is what it feels like. You see? But most of us, myself included, we want it immediately. You see? Or we think that it happens immediately. We think that I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be scared. I don't want to feel ashamed. I don't want to Fill in the blank and <clears throat> so i wa- I practice mindfulness, I meditate so that and then I feel afraid and angry and ashamed, and all of this and why doesn't this help but it's over time it's over time. We have to learn what it feels like to be hooked and not reject it, and then to recognize what it's like to be free, even if it's just for a moment. A moment, there's no such thing as time, we make it up. So in the moment of freedom, you are free. You are absolutely free. So we're not pushed or pulled away by what we're experiencing. We can be aware of it and feel this literally as a moment of freedom or a moment of peace. And I encourage you all to try this out in your own daily life experience. Try it out today. See if there's if it if this if you don't get an opportunity to try this out. So, in Buddhism, we're offered a kind of radical approach. We're invited to relax and gradually gradually in our own time and in our own way learn to lean into whatever the experience might be. See, we all here will turn and be with what, well, that's not such an easy thing to do, but it's a great instruction. This is, we're to just, to be kind and gentle to yourself, to turn and lean into that, which is, which is what your experience is. And if it happens to be something that's charged, as you gradually learn to make I don't want to say make friends with it, because I don't know that you can make friends with fear. But you can learn what fear is, so that it takes the fear out of it, in a way. You can, When you know what you're dealing with, it's a whole different thing. So we just learn to turn and lean into our experience in ways that are respectful of our boundaries and our limitations because we're all human beings and we all have limitations. And if we push, we take a great instruction like this and then we push past our limits, what happens? What happens? It's a question. <laughs> <Frustration>. <laughs> Say a louder. Okay, frustration, what happens is we become frustrated. What happens is we we don't recognize and respect our boundaries. We go over the cliff, we get lost, we get hooked. And then we fall into the same patterns that we do over and over and over again. And this is how we create mental habits. And as we do things like that, our brain responds in certain ways, you see those old mental habits are neural networks that are deeply ingrained in us and when you're when you're not so much pushing against them but when you're turning in a different direction you're really activating a different part of your brain and what i love about the research that's been done on the on, on the brain is that all the, the research indicates that nature cooperates with our efforts to be happy. You see? Nature cooperates with it, because when we incline the mind towards pro-social behavior and activity and what is wholesome and liberating for us, it actually makes us feel good, you see? And the more we do it, even if, it's, even if we're not pulling it off, we sit down and we try to do a loving-kindness meditation or we try to be compassionate and it's like nothing's happening, right? But But the researchers have shown that the mere inclination and the willingness to turn the mind in that direction, even if we're not thinking that we're feeling anything, is enough to activate a different part of the brain and to quiet down the part of the brain that's just reacting, reacting, reacting. That amygdala that carries us off to the races time after time after time, that amygdala hijack. So we're invited to lean into whatever our experience might be. And this sounds like a great idea, but as I was just saying, it's not such an easy thing to do because we're swimming against the momentum of the current that we're used to just being washed away by. So as we gradually and in a kind and and, and really in a kind and compassionate way, as we we cultivate mindfulness we gradually learn to recognize the habitual familiar narratives or the stories that we tell ourselves they become we become aware of them you see so I've heard Gil give the instruction many many times um, that (coughs) when when we're practicing mindfulness, when we're when something occurs in our meditation, to to notice what it is, but also to check in to see if there's a, a, an igniting of a some sort of a familiar pattern of thinking or feeling, some emotion, some thread that's running underneath it, like a sub substrata of activity that 's very familiar because that 's the habit that 's the habit that we can begin to recognize so <clears throat> so when we begin to just pay attention to the narratives you see like um, people are inclined some people are inclined to tell a narrative of being a victim and that will show up in many different ways but oh why does this always happen to me that's the kind of the, the storyline or uh, there's many other narratives but you might recognize that there's certain narratives that show up for you and that are very familiar that are very very familiar and i want to say that it's that it's not it's really great when they show up see <clears throat> When, when something shows up and we don't like it, we're inclined to deny it or push it away. That's absolutely counterproductive because in medi- meditation will show us what's really going on for us. And if we reject what's going on for us, literally we're ex- rejecting some part of ourselves to the degree that we cannot be with our experience, we're rejecting some part of ourselves. And that really hurts. That really hurts. So if some narrative shows up and you don't like the narrative, great. You know what the narrative is. You know that you don't like it. You know where the narrative goes. You have an opportunity to learn a lot about it. You have an opportunity to practice Patience, kindness, and compassion towards yourself. You have an opportunity to practice renunciation of simply defaulting and reacting in the same old way. You get to cultivate patience, you see, by learning to turn and lean into your experience rather than rejecting it. We reject it, and then we're caught, and we do the same thing over and over and over again. Does that make sense? It really... I Try it out in your own life. It, it, it certainly makes sense to me. And, and as much as I want the quick answer and the quick fix, it doesn't work that way. It works through learning to be kind and patient and friendly with yourself and not to give yourself hell because things aren't the way that you would like them to be or expect them to be or think they should be in order for you to be a good person or a good Buddhist or whatever it is that you're wanting to be. So by learning to recognize our storylines and to, to recognize that we have choice, that we can literally pause look at it, take a breath, you know, we learn how to be present, literally present with the ease or the discomfort that's ebbing and flowing in our experience. It's like everything's fine and suddenly this movement of energy happens and it's a familiar movement, but I'll pull a story, a narrative, about the, in response to this movement, and instead of just seeing what's happening, you see, so we learn to be present with the ease or discomfort of our shifting energies. And I'm going to circle back with the unpredictability of our lives. Remember, we're looking for that certainty, that place of safety, that place of security, and <clears throat> it's elusive, it's not there, you see that place comes from being present with what's actually occurring so that you know what's happening. Most of the time when we're afraid, we're afraid because we really don't know what's happening. So, you know, we're in the emergency room, our loved one passes out, can't breathe, they're intubating him. How can we know what's happening there? We're just literally, we're swept away. So we learn how to be present with experiencing things exactly as they are. I have this in big caps on my notes. We learn how to be present with experiencing things exactly as they are. And even, even if we can only do this for a few seconds so that we don't get lost, eventually we're able to cultivate the capacity to be with our experience for longer and longer periods of time. Experiencing what is actually occurring as it's occurring without us turning away. Now this is a big accomplishment. When, when you can do that you can legitimately give yourself a pat on the back. You've really accomplished something. You've really learned something. And, five minutes later, something can come up and you can completely blow it again. You see? That's also part of it. That's also part of it. We we then think, oh, this stuff doesn't make any sense. Oh, I really want to meditate so that when I'm in the emergency room, I'm going to be calm. You see? Oh, now I'm calm. I get it. I'm, I get it. The next patient's brought in and everything is different. Life is never the same. It's a dynamic experience of shifting, ever-shifting energies. And when we can see that without resisting the truth of that, we can begin to relax a little bit. We can begin to get a little bit more comfortable with ourselves. So So to this end, it's important to recognize that place inside of us where we get hooked. And there's, <coughs> there's a word for this place in Tibetan, and it's called Shempa. Um, and it's this place where <coughs> we are going to go down the rabbit hole, whatever that rabbit hole happens to be, or we recognize that we're about to go down that rabbit hole and that we have choice, you see? It's a very simple way of talking about it. Is It's the place where we get hooked, you see? We get this emotion of fear or contention or anger that suddenly wells up in us from nowhere. We don't even know where it is. How many times have you been standing at the kitchen sink washing the dishes and suddenly you 're having an argument with somebody in your mind that you had an argument with you know twenty years ago or something. where did it come from this just this moment of shifting energy so we that 's the place where we get hooked you see, and if we can recognize oh this is this is what 's happening this is this is just a Movement of energy in the body. Then we have a little bit more space. We have the ability not to just be pulled and pushed in whatever direction we're being pulled and pushed in. So this place isn't obvious or easy to recognize. This place gets recognized over time with practice and inten- with the intention of looking for it. You see? because this is how we are literally enslaved by our habits. So you begin to, instead of being afraid of the habits, instead of being afraid and pushing these places of discomfort away from us, we learn to just, okay, this is what's happening now. Can I be with the way things are right now? Maybe you can, maybe you can't, but even if you can just ask the question, It's different than just being swept away time after time after time. Do you see this? This is a really important point. If you can simply ask the question, you're inclining the mind in a different direction. So it's really important to be a friend to yourself, to allow yourself to get angry, to be disappointed, to be whatever it is. Just allow that. You see? Now, I'm not saying be sloppy and don't ever make an effort. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is just recognize what's happening. The recognition of what's happening is enough to begin to free you. You see? Meditation doesn't help to liberate us because we can notice that we're breathing. You see? But the noticing itself, the actual seeing of what's happening, is what frees us. So if we're afraid of something and we see fear, you see, we're already beginning to be liberated. Otherwise, we're seduced and caught by the fear. We're seduced and caught by the anger. We're seduced and caught by our views and opinions about the way things are. So sometimes just the seeing, just a moment of seeing, is enough to taste that moment of freedom and peace that I was referring to earlier in the talk. And then, when you see that moment of freedom and peace, that's another kind of seeing. That's a really delicious kind of seeing and then you can okay this is what this feels like <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> so <clears throat> so no matter <clears throat> what is occurring the first important step is that we recognize and acknowledge that we're at the point of being hooked or that we're hooked and doing that is already interrupting that that deeply set um, ancient habitual reaction and it slows down the momentum of that old habit of sleepwalking or switching to automatic pilot. So let's go back to the doctor in the emergency room. You see, if there could be a moment of recognition of what was occurring even though it's highly charged and it can slow down the momentum of <clears throat> of just reacting in the same way that he or she always reacts. You see, it can just, it interrupts the flow and it can slow it down. And you can see, you know, it's not a quick fix, but it is something that's very substantial once you see it and you work with it and you develop it. In fact, it's transformative, it's liberating. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> so, when we're in these highly charged moments, and when we default to old habits of, of reactivity, <clears throat> we escalate <clears throat> the intensity of the emergency room. We escalate it. We, we literally, it's like throwing gasoline on a fire. So we're fueling our discomfort. Or, alternately, we can learn to recognize what's going on. We can learn. We can pause for a moment. And we can breathe. We can experience how uncomfortable it is, how unpleasant it is. And we can do that without struggling or resistance. You see? So, <clears throat> thank you. Yes. So, how do we lean into what we don't like? Well, you know, if we just jump right in, it's going to be a mess. But <clears throat> if we're honest with what our limitations and our boundaries are, and we lean in gradually, knowing that we can do this without without struggling, without resisting, see part of what happens is that we try to protect ourselves from our own suffering but what happens is that effort is a resistance to the way things are and that resistance causes the suffering to to intensify it escalates it it it, it supercharges it you see and so as we gradually learn to just meet our experience whatever our experience is you see, It could be that we're having a conversation with someone and they have a different political perspective than ours. Not that that occurs in the political climate of this time, but <clears throat> you just begin to see. Then it's politics that are triggering it, but the problem is the way that we're holding it, the way that we're relating it to it the way that we're the way that it's seducing us and then what that where that leads us so so in these highly charged moments we can learn oh it's okay to be uncomfortable a little bit i i teach a a, a course and meditation is part of the course at a university and the people will say well <coughs> That meditation made me feel really uncomfortable. And I said, where did you get the idea that if you meditate, you're never going to feel uncomfortable? Did I tell you that? I didn't tell you. I'm quite sure I didn't tell you that, you see. So we can learn to be, you know, it's not going to kill us to experience being uncomfortable. It's good to know what it's like to be uncomfortable rather than to just be swept away every time we're uncomfortable. See, this is kind of uh, counterintuitive, but every time we default to our old way of being, let's say we're uncomfortable, you see, and that experience of discomfort signals get the hell out of Dodge, I want nothing to do with this, and we do everything in our power to distract ourselves, to deny this, or to... What we're inadvertently doing is we're programming, programming our brain, and we're programming ourselves, our minds, to believe that we do not have the capacity To handle challenges. You see? That's what we're doing inadvertently. It's like we're going to the gym and we're picking up this barbell that's teaching us that we do not have the capacity to be with things that are challenging. See? Isn't that interesting? You see? So when you cultivate the ability to be with things that are a little bit uncomfortable, recognizing that this is just part of the ebb and flow of the energy of being human, you see, you're going against that habitual way of responding. And the world that we live in tells us we should never, ever experience a moment of discomfort. We should always... Go out and buy something new if you don't feel good. Go buy a p- new pair of shoes. Shopping therapy, or whatever it's called. <clears throat> Sometimes that works. <clears throat> okay. So, I say here why on earth would we want to experience what's uncomfortable? or unpleasant and hang out with it? You see, that's a question that a lot of people would ask. And I've, I've, I've sort of given you reasons why you would. Um, <clears throat> but I'm going to say also that by learning to stay with our actual experience it's it's like a doorway for us. It's a doorway to awakening as an opportunity for transformation you see if we if we look at it in that way if we look and see oh we're building we're building a new way of being in relationship to our own direct experience and this is a door this is an opportunity it's a doorway literally it's a doorway to freedom so freedom is right there we just have to get out of the way and let it and let it happen so we can choose to make choices and we do we make choices that either obscure our natural intelligence and our warmth and our capacity to remain open and present uh, to the natural movement of our life or we make choices and we can make choices that lead uh, to happiness and freedom or we can choose to just default and go down the rabbit hole, as we've done so many times. So... <clears throat> so... <clears throat> I'm looking at the time, and I'm looking at... I've got... I'm coming back next week, so I'll 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 finish (laughs) what what I don't get through this week. Okay, so in in this vein of what I was just saying, one of the teachers that I worked with um, uses the example of of out of mythology the story of Ulysses and um, his. The need to, for him to make personal efforts to overcome the sirens, right? So, like Ulysses, we may have to endure, to greater or lesser degree, our own discomfort in order to f- to recognize and break these old patterns of reactivities. So, so we're going to pass through the doorway of of awakening of the doorway of liberation and and if we recognize that we're all in this together we're all active participants in creating literally for ourselves and for the world a nonviolent future simply by how we work with the truth and our common human experience of being with that raw place of where it is that we feel threatened, insecure, uncertain, and where we get hooked. And this takes courage, it takes resolve, it takes determination and curiosity to stay open to this energy because it is charged, it is charged, and it could even be charged in a happy ecstatic way, but we can still get washed away by it. So so if we can stay open to the energy of experiencing that place where we get hooked, where we have an itch and we have an urge to scratch it the way we always did, and not to scratch it, we begin to learn how to break these old habitual patterns. We learn to be with ourselves exactly as things are. And as we do that, literally, if you... Um, you know, think in terms of being mindful. Resisting the urge to default to the old pattern is a form of renunciation. You see, the old pattern might be the re- the the renunciation might mean the renunciation of simply defaulting to aversion. I don't like this squit, this itch. I've got to get rid of it. You see. We learn to cultivate patience. If we don't have patience and kindness with ourselves we can't accomplish anything. So we have to learn these qualities and in a moment of just taking up, okay I can be with this itch because it's it's doable. I can't be without one because it's going to overwhelm me but this one is doable. And we can learn And then we can begin to see, oh, we're cultivating these other qualities. And then we can begin to appreciate ourselves for recognizing these things and having the awareness and the capacity and the resolve to actually act on them. And then what happens is that that appreciation awakens a sense of gladness in us. And this sense of gladness in us awakens a sense of loving-kindness for ourselves. And then what happens is when I feel loving-kindness for myself, then I see smiles on other people's faces because they get a hit of that energy. And this is how we begin to change the world. So, my friends, it was very nice to be here with you this morning. Those are some of my thoughts. And if you come back next week, you might get the second half of the talk. (laughs) So uh, we do have a couple of minutes here before the end, and I wanted to leave um, time for a question or two if anybody had a question. Please? Thank you. The Tibetan terminology for not being hooked in other people's stuff is shambal. How would you spell that? I think that? it's S-H-E-M-P-A Shempa. Shempa. I think that's, I could be pronouncing it wrong, but I believe that's, that's how it's spelled, S-H-E-M-P-A Shempa. I know that in my classes with the Dalai Lama, he would always tell us in person, he said,
0: you have to remember that no matter what happens... No matter what happens, you have to stay fully present and you will not react.
1: And you will not react. And you will not react if you're fully present. Yeah. Yeah. That Dalai Lama knows a thing or two, I can <laughs> tell you.
0: <clears throat>
1: yeah. Anyone else? Comments? I, I, I feel when. <laughs>
0: yeah it's Christy. a comment not a question okay. uh, so I think I'm going to try this out when I read the news <laughs> when you read the news when I read the news yeah. <laughs> it is. Just a it's a huge trigger for me these days so yeah. see what happens uh,
1: you know I actually I didn't want to like infuse the talk with politics but that is a it a perfect place to actually test this out because it's so easy to get hooked. You know, I was driving over here this morning to meditate and give a talk, and I'm listening to... Why am I listening to this? This is totally, like, not going to set the tone for what I'm doing. Boom, turn, turn it off. So, but it's so easy to feel ourselves drawn you know, in. And this is just part of the experience. So I'm not saying not to pay attention to politics, but pay attention to what happens within us as we're paying attention to politics. And then if we can be present, we know what to do, we know how to maybe have a more skillful response so that we're not just adding to the problem which is so overwhelming and dark today. Anyone else, please, in the back there?
0: Thanks so much. Um, Hold
1: um, it right up, I have a hearing issue.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Uh, I'm relatively new to practicing, and um, though I've been listening to the podcast for years, Uh, And so uh, Gil had described uh, this, and Andrea, too, about um, sort of the opposite, sort of chasing um, various forms of pleasure as a way of relieving um, the suffering, and that there's, you know, like a sense pleasure might be it's a fleeting and uh, Mm non-permanent way of, Yeah. Actually, and so I'm wondering if this technique can be applied to that aspect of it. Because as a someone new to Buddhism, I find that I am easily uh, sucked into going down my habitual, you know, my habitual like following sense pleasure. Like, for example, you know, I'm an athlete, so if I get a better bike, then maybe I'll go a little faster. but that has nothing to do with anything But I, I'm easily That hook that you described I can I can see that it'd be easy to identify it In terms of my feelings of anger And frustration But I feel like it's a little more subtle With this being pulled into things That actually make me feel good Temporarily mm. And I'm wondering if the technique Can be used for that as well If that makes sense The technique you described
1: What do you think?
0: I don't know, that's why I'm asking. <laughs> oh,
1: well, okay, okay. I was, I was actually asking the group, what do, what do you think? You see, I, I think yes, it can, because any, any moment where we're, we're being drawn into something and we don't realize what's happening is a moment where we lose presence with ourselves and to simply, nothing wrong with pleasurable things. But if pleasurable things are really distracting us, you know, so that's the opposite of. You see, but the pleasure that you get from athletic performance is, you know, that's real and it can be enjoyed. Yes, and uh, I guess
0: the issue for me would be like, that's the real. You have thing. to speak louder. Sorry. I'm
1: so sorry because I'm half deaf. I'm sorry.
0: And I guess. Um, what I'm describing is that the athletic endeavor in and of itself is a positive thing, but I'm easily sucked into being distracted away from that by like, um, consumerism around that thing, for example. Mm -hmm. So the riding of the bike and the, and the connecting connection I feel to nature when I'm out in the mountains is a wonderful thing, Mm -hmm. but there's this pull to get a better bike you know what i mean a newer bike oh, a faster bike or something oh, okay. and sometimes and that actually causes suffering i've noticed a lot of my suffering is around this oh if i had if i do one more little adjustment it'll be, be even better okay. you know
1: so it's not really pleasure no. that's the problem it's the wanting that's yeah. the, and you can definitely do this practice that i was talking about on the wanting and you see this mindfulness reveals it's not the bike or the quality of the bike it's this idea that my happiness and my pleasure depends on a certain bike or a certain you see and so that is a place of contraction and contention within you and to just to be with that rather than to reject it and to learn what it's like try it out So we're a little bit afterwards and I'm happy to stay here for as long as people want to. And if anyone needs to leave, feel free to go. But we have one more question over here. Uh,
2: I think it's... Hello? I think what to experience through is like, I, I, my name is Richard. I, I, may I know your name, please? Uh, Robert. 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 Robert said, uh, it's a one. I think we are, get the greeting uh, mind that we want more and we're not con- contented with what we have. Mm-hmm. And that greed would drive us crazy. We keep chasing that. Mm-hmm. That's the that's a point that and there's in our in in our human habit there's like and dislike. Mm-hmm. And that's drive up crazy also. Because you pleasant noticed. and unpleasant. <laughs> Even unpleasant also drive up crazy, pleasant also drive up crazy. Mm-hmm. So we try to be balanced and pleasant is pleasant, just experience it and don't get addicted to that. So the greed come because one is pleasant, the greed comes that we want more. But it's gone already, the moment is gone. But unpleasant, the same thing, we try to push it away, but it's gone already. But we addict to the pushing away or addict, mm-hmm. the habit that you just mentioned. Right. So try to be balanced is very difficult. That's, a, that's my comment. That's a good comment.
1: On that note, we're going to end our date. <laughs> we acknowledge that it's not easy to be a human being <laughs> and to balance ourselves, but the good news, folks, is that we're all in this together, and together we can pull it off. So have a beautiful week, and I might see you next week. Okay? Thank you, Father.